the Internet's most listened to talk radio network, VoiceAmerica.com, with Joyce Bender and Disability Matters. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to our show today. I hope every one of you had a wonderful holiday as you celebrated Passover or Easter, and I'll bet many of you are still eating those sandwiches or eggs or whatever it is that you had over that holiday because, boy, I still see that influx in our office. Uh, Hopefully you aren't eating a lot of candy, but we had a wonderful celebration at my home with my wonderful family, which I enjoyed so much, but I hope all of you also had a wonderful holiday. Now we get ready for spring. Spring hopefully is here in Pittsburgh, but you never know because in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that could change Overnight, as my guest knows today, I want to tell you before I introduce this person, Al Condolucci, who is the Chief Executive Officer of United Cerebral Palsy of Pittsburgh and internationally known, famous author, speaker, you name it, he's done it. We're just lucky we have him right here in in Pittsburgh. But I want to tell you about him. He is one of the nicest men. You know that saying, a good leader serves? That's him. That is Al Condolucci, and so for me, what an honor it is to have on my show today the leader of UCP Class of Pittsburgh, which, by the way, has grown to be the third largest disability-specific agency in southwestern PA with a budget of $18 million and a staff of 350 people. As I said, author, speaker, great leader, and champion for all people with disabilities, Al, it's an honor to have you on the show today. Oh, Joyce, uh, the, the 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 honor is truly mine. It's such a such a pleasure. You know, I'm a big fan of of your show, and of course, all the work that you've done uh, over your many years of advocacy. So, uh, so the feelings are are absolutely mutual. Well, you know, we're just I'm as you know based here for my listeners, and thank you again. Wow, I have great listeners. I mean, all these email we get and. All the calls we receive, thank you for your support across North America. I really appreciate it so much. But um, I am based in Pittsburgh. That's where I'm headquartered. And I've always thought we're so lucky, y'all, to have you here in Pittsburgh. And I thought, for the interest of our listeners, I'd like you to tell them first about Condolucci Hill in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, Joyce. This is a you know. I mean, for for folks uh, who are who are around the eastern part of the United States, certainly knows the uh, uh, some of the the wonderful um, ethnic traditions that can be uh, you know that 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 are carried out in 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 our wonderful uh, parts of, uh, of 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 this country. Um, and certainly here in Western Pennsylvania, Joyce, as you know, um, the great ethnic traditions are are, are truly uh, uh, a truly a blessing. And and uh, I happen to uh, you know be a member of a large family, uh, the Condalusi family, uh, uh, from McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. And uh, the the story is kind of an interesting one. Uh, when my grandpa. And grandma came over from Italy. They were from originally from southern Italy. Uh, Calabria is the province. It's a, if you if you can visualize a map of Italy and look at the, it looks like a boot. 
we all remember from our geography. Uh, and at the very toe of the boot is the province of Calabria, and that's where my uh, my grandparents uh, hail from. And in any event, they made the trek to the United States, uh, much like many, many, uh, I know, listeners, families uh, might have done, and ultimately ended up in uh, in Pittsburgh primarily because of the uh, manufacturing base uh, the steel mills the iron ore you know that was that was being uh, produced and smelted here in Pittsburgh and uh, my grandpa also had some relatives here in Pittsburgh so he ended up in Pittsburgh and um, was able to um, uh, through through one of his uh, cousins was able to uh, rent a small home on a hillside in the in the village of McKee's Rocks, which is about seven miles from downtown Pittsburgh in uh, a little steel town, and uh, and so Grandpa uh, and Grandma began to start their family and you know begin to start their life here in the United States and in, in in the town of McKee's Rocks. And as Grandpa and Grandma had more children, there were nine children actually in in the family. Uh, my uh, my dad being one of nine children. As the family got bigger and bigger, my grandpa was able to get permission to use the hilltop near the home he rented to keep uh, goats and peppers and tomatoes and zucchini and, you know, to help augment, uh, you know, his, his family. And uh, long story short, uh, when my dad and his brothers and sisters came of age, this hilltop that they grew up on really became very important uh, land to them. So they, they ended up actually buying this hilltop, about four acres, and they decided they all wanted to live there. So the very first thing they did was build a home for Grandma and Grandpa right on the top of the hill. They built homes for each other. They even built the road that comes down off the hill uh, to uh, uh, to the main street going through um, uh, through McKee's Rocks called uh, called McCoy Road, and um, they uh, you know they began their to create a family homestead. So when I was born in 1948, Joyce, there were eight Condalusi families that lived on this hill, and the hill was of course known as Condalusi Hill, and and um, now we have 16. Condalusi families who live up on the hill, myself included. My wife and I built uh, our home up there in 1976, and so it, it, it truly is a really wonderful, um, you know, village, uh, all family, and and uh, you know, one of those kinds of uh, settings where you're, you're, you know, as you're growing up, you you grow up with such security and such love. Um, it, it, it truly, uh, truly is wonderful, and and we still try to preserve the Italian heritage and and some of our Italian customs. In fact, I, you were you were talking about Easter uh, uh, in your in your introduction uh, today, and uh, uh, obviously Easter was a big. Uh, a big celebration on our in our family, and uh, uh, we had a tradition where we would go house to house. The children would go house to house on all the families up on the hill, and we would greet our our uncles and aunts with uh, "Buongiorno, buona Pasca," and we would kiss their their hand, and they would give us some coins, and uh, and we still try to keep traditions like that going on our hill. That you know what? That is awesome. That you know what? I am one of these. I love tradition. I do. Oh, I love too. tradition, yeah. and that is so great. That's so nice for your family. 
Yeah, it really is wonderful. In fact, uh, you know, my my uh, my my mom, my my dad passed away about a year and a half ago, and uh, lived right across the street, of course, from me and my sisters and my brother. And so, as dad uh, was uh, aging, and you know, he began to experience uh, some of the realities of Parkinson's. Um, a lot of folks, uh, you know, the, the medical folks kept on telling us to, you know, put dad into a facility, and we said, no, 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 dad's going to stay up on the hill where he belongs, where everybody he loves is at. And so we just, you know, dug in and did what we need to do to keep Dad and support Dad. And, and when the good Lord called him, Dad was right in his own bed, in his own bedroom with his family around him. And, uh, you know, you, you, you always hope that when, you know, when your time comes, that that's the kind of reality. He lived 87 good years, and he had this huge family, and, uh, you know, it truly was a life well well lived. And I think all of us, in you know, as we as we dig down into our hearts, you know, want to have those kinds of experiences in our own lives. So yeah. we, we really are lucky. You are. So I have to ask you one question. Yeah. Does this mean you have bacala on? Uh, <laughs> fish bacala. Of course we do. <laughs> now, bacala, though, is not the best tasting fish, Joyce, as you probably, as you probably may know. I know you're, you have such Native a very... name is Saladi, so I am very familiar <laughs> of with course you are, bacala yeah. and the whole... Seven fishes and the oh, yes. and the whole. But I tell you, I like tradition. Yes. Yes, it, it really is wonderful, and you know it's such an important part of life. You know, and we stop and we think about you know um, people living their lives to the fullest, and, and you and I both know as advocates that oftentimes folks who happen to have uh, disabilities uh, sometimes get disconnected from experiences, and we know all too often folks with disabilities end up in institutional settings or in in uh, you know settings that are that are very you know indifferent. And a lot of times those traditions don't exist. So clearly, you know, tradition is important. It is. And that is all, really, people don't think about that, but that is all part of quality of life. That's exactly part right. Part of the culture. That's all part of quality of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Al, I'll tell you what, that is a great story, but I'm interested to know what caused you to first become interested in working with people with disabilities. Yeah. Well, you know, Joyce, that, t- talking about my family is probably, you know, the perfect lead-in to answer that question because, uh, you know, when growing up on the hill, uh, my I, essentially, as I, I mentioned, I had, you know, eight, basically eight mothers and eight fathers when you count all my uncles and aunts and my grandma and grandpa. And, uh, and, and in addition to those eight mothers and fathers, I also had... Uh, uh, about 40 brothers and sisters when you count all my cousins and and the role they played in uh, you know in my life on on the hill and my my closest uh buddy uh, my closest relative growing up and of course you know in big family kids kind of gather together based on their age and so my age cohorts kind of hung around together on the hill and my closest buddy in that experience was my cousin Carol and um you know, Carol was a year older than me, and, you know, uh, we were always together, you know, and with the family. All, you know, Carol and I were always, always stuck in the playpen together, always did things together, always had to hold hands when we were doing stuff. And, and um, uh, you know, the interesting thing was Carol and I were rarely separated as kids except when we started school. When I started school, Carol didn't go to school. And, and I was surprised by that. I remember... Asking my mother about about why Carol 
didn't go to school. And my mama said, oh, honey, Carol can't learn. And I said, what do you mean? I mean, I knew Carol could learn. I didn't understand. I didn't understand what my mom was saying. And, and she said, no, no, Carol has a mental retardation, and, and she can't really learn, and the schools just don't know what to do with her. And it was my first experience with not just disability, but what with how people are treated uh, who have disabilities. And, and um, you know, that separation, that fact that the schools didn't welcome my cousin was very, very confusing to me as a kid. And, and as we got a little bit older, Joyce, and as we began to go off the hill and begin to participate in church events and in, you know, things done on, you know, in, in, uh, related to the school football games and street fairs and, you know, the kinds of things that you have in, in small community, I discovered the second pretty powerful message here, and that is how my cousin was treated by a lot of other people, which was mean and disrespectful. And and that really, really bugged me, Joyce, uh, because I just couldn't understand why people were mean. You know, to my cousin, she never did anything to anybody. And uh, it really was my sort of my birth uh, place as an advocate. Uh, I started to actually, you know, I started to usually challenge people who would make fun of my cousin or would do things uh, mean to her. And I, you know, I kind of knew as I got a little bit older that, that I wanted to do things to make the community better and to make life better for people who were mistreated or misunderstood. And so that was really my entree to, uh, uh, to the field. I, 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 when, I, when I went off to college, I decided I wanted to get involved in human services. Uh, I wanted to s- work with and support people like my cousin Carol. And so that was really my, uh, my entree. Well, you know what? What a great story, but this doesn't surprise me, because that is just what you're like. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Al Condolucci, the CEO of United Cerebral Palsy of Pittsburgh, author and really known throughout the world for the work he does for people with disabilities. You are listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back with Al. The authority in Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, 
but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Invoke thought, feeling, and inspiration into your life right here on voiceamerica.com. This week on Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo, our guest is Jamie Bamber. You'll know him from Battlestar Galactica. He plays Leah Dama. We talk about Battlestar Galactica and get a look inside of Jamie's life. Of course, we'll cover all the sci-fi news for the week as usual. That's Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to this show, and we are talking to Al Condolucci, CEO of United Cerebral Palsy of Pittsburgh, and an accomplished author and speaker, and as I always say, a champion of hope for all people with disabilities. You know, we're just lucky to have him based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Al, that was really, uh, really compelling, that story you told of what caused you along the way to get involved in this. And then once you got your degree, you just kept moving on. Yeah, yeah, it's, well, it's, you know, it's one of those things, Joyce. I mean, uh, there are some of us, and I know you can say the same thing in terms of your own, your own career and experience, but, uh, when you find something that really clicks for you, when you find something that really, you know, that in your heart resonates, um, it, it really is magical because there's so many people who end up working in or doing things that either they feel don't matter or that they feel are really not as, as, as fulfilling to them as people. And, uh, boy, you know, you only go around once, uh, in, in this life, at least, uh, you know, um, I think that's what most, uh, most folks, all my Buddhist friends would disagree with that, but, um, uh, nonetheless, you know, uh, my, my whole thing is, uh, you know, you really want to make your life count, and you want to make what you do matter. And if you can find a career, or you can find some way of con- contribution that really allows you to, to 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 do that, boy, there's there's just nothing better. Well, I agree with you because you know I always tell people at the end of every day, it's so wonderful when you feel like I'm proud of what I do. Absolutely. And I know that you know what that means. And here we have a question for you from Washington, D.C. Uh, Mr. Condolucci, since you work in both the advocacy and academic environments, I am wondering if you might be able to discuss for our listeners some of the most compelling research that is currently being done in the disability field for some of the populations within the disability community that you serve. Mm. Wonderful. Wow, what a wonderful question. Um, and, you know, my, my answer to that is, 
is um, really related to the whole notion of social capital. And um, let me let me just take a minute to explain this. Um, there's been some very very exciting information over the past five uh, seven to five years in this whole area of building social capital. And probably the the best uh, reference that I could give listeners in terms of understanding social capital is um, the work of Robert Putnam. Robert Putnam's a Harvard sociologist. He wrote a book in the year 2000, Joyce, called Bowling Alone. And this was a, an expose of uh, relationships and why and how relationships are so important in people's lives, and not just important in people's lives, but important in making a better community, making for a better society. And Putnam argues very, very eloquently in his book, Bowling Alone, that the more social capital people have with each other and between each other, not only the better their lives get, and you were talking a minute ago about quality of life indicators, the three highest quality of life indicators are happiness, healthfulness, and longevity. If somebody is healthy and somebody is happy and somebody lives long, boy, there's just there's nothing better than that. Those are the most powerful outcomes that people could have in their lives. And what Putnam is helping us understand is that those three quality of life indicators are tied to social capital. Quite simply, the more relationships people have, the better their life is. The longer they live, the happier they are, the healthier they are. And so to me, you know, your, the question that came from Washington, D.C., was, uh, I think, the most compelling thing we can do in the disability arena is look more closely at this whole phenomena of social capital and really begin to do some tracking of uh, social capital and its relationship to quality of life for people with disabilities. Now, this is just beginning to be looked at in the field. And there are some newer uh, studies that have been looking at social capital in relationship to vocational rehabilitation for people with disabilities, and some folks looking at social capital in relationship to um, isolation or removing of isolation for uh, folks with disabilities. But it's still such a uh, embryonic field, an embryonic area, that more research and more attention needs to be given uh, to this area. So uh, my my sense is um, that from a sense of academia, if we can get the academics interested in helping us look at the important place of social relationships and the fact that people with disabilities have been limited in, in developing social relationships for architectural reasons, attitudinal reasons, institutional reasons, um, I think we can get to the real heart of the most important outcomes for folks, which is happiness, healthfulness, and longevity. You know what? That, I, first of all, I'm going to have to have this Robert Putnam on my radio show. Mm. What, you're, what you're talking about, Al, I know that is true because a lot of people with disabilities have never been on a date, have Absolutely. never been to a restaurant, exactly. you know, have never yes. experienced things that non-disabled people take for granted. But I have always said, you don't realize this, but we all go through a socialization process in our life. And, for example, when I was a young girl, I sold Girl Scout cookies, but then after that, I was a waitress. Right. Well, when you're a waitress, here's what happens. You see, oh, if that man's late for work, he's in trouble. Right. Oh, if that person does this extra work, that's a good thing. Exactly. But, but, it, but you, you don't realize, you learn about work. 
It's incredible. Absolutely. And we learn about that our whole life. You know, you're socialized your whole life. In the same way, you are socialized through dating or just, you know, social experiences and relationships. But if you are constantly dependent and if you are limited just to the family, if you have a severe significant disability and you don't have any of those experiences, then when you do go into the world of work, it shows. Right. Well, Joyce, added on to that, I mean, the points you make are so lucid, but add, add a couple more dimensions, and that is that um, the, we know that the major way people, whether you have a disability or not, people get jobs or get employment is not through the skills you developed or the want ads. They get jobs through relationships, um, you know, through people they know who know about a job and people that tell them about things. And, you know, a couple years ago I wrote a book called Cultural Shifting. And in this book I look at this whole notion of social capital and try to tie it to the four most important outcomes that I hear. You know, in my 35 years as an advocate, as a professional advocate, when I talk to people who happen to have disabilities, and I ask them what they want, what would they like to have, people tell me very predictably, and by the way, not just people with disabilities, but people in general will tell you the same four things. They want a job. They want to do something that's meaningful. Two, they want a nice house or a decent place to live. Three, they want to be able to get around the community, so they need transportation. And four, people want friendships. People want relationships. Now, if you look at those four things, um, the, 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 the first three that I mentioned, and you know this one very well, jobs, which has your, been your passion and your career, uh, jobs, housing, and transportation are all built, informed by and enhanced by uh, friendships or relationships. So the more relationships you have in your life, the easier it is to get a job, the easier it is to find housing or to get somebody to live with, the easier it is to get transportation to and from this community. So to me... You know, this sounds pretty simplistic. It's not. It's complex, as you and I both know. But quite quite simply to me, the most important variable that an organization supporting somebody who, who, who has a disability can do is help that person find ways that they can build relationships in a broad way in the community. And I think it's, I think it's the linchpin to so many other important things in people's lives. I agree with you. One hundred percent, I agree with you. And by the way, uh, Al, the name of your book again is the book's called Cultural Shifting. And, Cultural um, Shifting. Yeah, by Al Condalucci. And how does someone purchase that book? Yeah, well, well, folks can get a hold of the book in a couple ways. They can they can get it on our website, which is uh, ucppittsburgh.org, or they can get it at Amazon at the Amazon bookstore online, or they can get it right from the publisher, which is T R N Press. T like in Thomas, R like in uh, Ralph, N like in Nancy Press, uh, which is out of St. Augustine. Um, but the book actually, Joyce, uh, we're, 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 I appreciate you mentioning it. Um, it's one of six books that I've written in the past uh, 10, 15 years. But this is the book that looks specifically at social capital and looks at uh, relationships. Robert Putnam's work, which is incredible, if you can get Robert Putnam on your show, Joyce, that would be marvelous because his stuff is just so compelling. Now, Putnam actually is looking very holistically. He's not looking just at, at, at folks with disabilities. He's looking at society at large. 
And he's saying that one of the things that's happening in our community, and here's the fascinating point, Joyce, he's saying that from the year 1900 to the year 1960, those 60 years, every year more people join things that allowed them to build relationships. They joined clubs, groups, associations. They joined churches. They joined unions. They joined bowling leagues. And then in 1960, his research begins to show that people stopped joining as much from 1960 to today. And so his book, Bowling Alone, is an expose on, A, the importance of social capital, but, B, why has people begun to stop joining things as much from 1960 to today? And he hypothesizes in his book some of the reasons why he thinks uh, folks from our generation, uh, Joyce, and you know, and you and I are contemporaries. Uh, you know, uh, you know, in 1960 we were coming of age in terms of our lives and in terms of our experience. But Putnam's data suggests that in 1960 joining things peaked, and ever since then it started to decline. Very interesting. That is very well. We'll talk more about that when we come back. Absolutely. If you've just tuned in once again. You're listening to Al Condolucci, the CEO of UCP in Pittsburgh and accomplished author. And this is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back with our favorite person, Al Condolucci. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling. 
whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back, and we are talking to El Condalusi, the Chief Executive Officer of United Cerebral Palsy of Pittsburgh, and very, very wonderful author and speaker. As I was mentioning several times here, El, you are an accomplished author. You have a Ph.D. from the University of Pittsburgh. You're a well-known consultant and leader internationally, and you are one of the most genuine Modest people I know, you are, as I said at the beginning, a leader who serves. I know you've been supportive of me from the beginning of time. And I just want all of our listeners to know why I point that out is, unfortunately, in this country, instead of the disability groups working together, there's all this fragmentation. Everybody is worried about who's getting funding and territorialism and, um, you know, Al, do you have any suggestions on how we could ever as a community get people to work together? Yeah, boy, I'll tell you, uh, Joyce, you know, it, it's such a, that's such an interesting uh, question, and it's one that just, I think it transcends the, um, you know, the disability community. I mean, I, I think it's a, I think it's a broader question uh, for people in general. And, you know, we were talking about books earlier, and we talked about Putnam's book, Bowling Alone. I read a book a couple years ago that had a really huge impact on me in relationship to this very question that you're raising. And the book was by Alfie Kahn, another Harvard um, psychologist. And the book is called uh, No Contest, The Case Against Competition. The book was fascinating because Alfie Kahn, K-O-H-N is how he spells his name, argues in this book that competition is unnatural. It's not a natural phenomena for human beings. And that, that what's more natural for human beings is cooperation and collaboration. And he suggests in his book that our competitive spirit is something that we learn or that's thrust upon us at a very early age where we begin to compete with one another and begin to compete and, and we, you know, we're competing for this, attention for people, we're competing for that, grades, we're competing for this, money, and this competitiveness that gets in, kind of injected into us is not natural. And, and what, what actually he argues in his book, Joyce, is that um, competition actually uh, leads to um, both parties in the competitiveness losing. And, and uh, you know, as I read through this book, this came out years ago, and as I was reading through this, it really caused me to reflect on what's most important way that people can be successful. And, you know, we learn in, in schools of social work and in schools of counseling that a win-win philosophy is always better 
than a win-lose philosophy. And that when, when both, and that, all that's nothing more than cooperation and collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, if you and I go together on something and we say, gee, how can we maximize our efforts? That just makes so much more sense to me than to say, gee, I gotta watch out for Joyce Bender or I gotta watch out for this person or that person because they're trying to get some of my turf. They're trying to get some of my part of the pie. That's such a selfish and I think uh, uh, useless approach. What's so much stronger is to say, how can we get better together? Gets us back to the whole social capital issue. Isn't that the truth? How can, and, there are, and believe me, if we work together, so much power we would have in this country. Absolutely. So it much is. power we would have. Listen, um, I want to make sure we get to talk about this for our listeners uh, yes. today. Talking about UCP class, what are some of the major programs, Al, that you have going on now? Yeah, well, that's that's. Uh, I really appreciate you, you. You know, you're raising that. I'm so proud and pleased with. Uh, I think the place that uh, that organization UCP in Pittsburgh has has kind of evolved into and become. Uh, obviously, our most important agenda is building a community where everybody belongs. And so we've taken a very macroscopic approach at this. Uh, rather than say, how can people with disabilities change or be fixed or be enhanced uh, to be successful, we're saying, how can our community uh, find relevance and, and, and connections uh, to all people so that uh, all people can bring their gifts and talents to community. So our, our mission statement, Joyce, is not, it doesn't say anything about disability. What it says is how can we build a community where everybody belongs and everybody plays a role. Now, obviously, in order to do that, uh, people have to uh, have some sense of what's possible for them, have to have some sense of how the community operates, has to have some sense of what are their talents and gifts and skills that they bring to the world. And so some of what we do is help people discover those things for themselves. Uh, we have uh, you know, a program we call our, our Center Services, and our Center Services is really an opportunity for people to explore what they bring to the world and how that gift can be celebrated and connected. So we 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 have a um, you know one part of our service that does that. We also have a large program, uh, Joyce, which is an attendant uh, support program, where we help people who need somebody uh, to support them. Uh, get connected to them, come into their life, really help them get ready for their day to get out there and do what they need to do uh, to make the world better and to bring their, their talents to, to the community. So we have a large attendant uh, service uh, program. We also have a new program we launched about three, four years ago, uh, Joyce, that we call UCP Kids. And we're real excited about this because one of the things we've learned early on is that many programs that support children who have disabilities end up being sort of exclusive programs, separated, disconnected, uh, segregated, if you will, from the, from the real world. And we really felt that that's a mistake. The minute people begin to get segregated or separated from the community, that's when they, then, then barriers get set for them. 
So our program, UCP Kids, is a program funded by the Heinz Endowment here in Pittsburgh and really helps us go out and support and coach families who have children with disabilities to, um, uh, to understand ways that they can keep their children in regular and typical schools and regular and typical church groups and synagogue groups and regular and typical clubs, groups, and associations in their community. And we actually use a, a methodology uh, to do that. We, we actually coach the families to understand that there are four steps to building community. Um, the, the first step is finding people's passion. The second step is finding places in the community when those passions are celebrated. The third step is understanding how communities operate. But the fourth and most important step is finding a gatekeeper. And so we actually coach the families. And, and Joyce, we wrote a book about this about two years ago. The book is called uh, Together is Better. And it's on our website. The book is the coaching manual that we actually give to the families. And we now make this book available to anybody who's interested in, you know, looking at these four steps to building community. So we got some great stuff going on here at our at our agency, and, and I'm just so proud because all of it really is about building a better and a stronger community in general, where everybody uh, has a place. Oh, that well, I know you're doing so many really innovative things, and you know that is tremendous. I want to ask you for a minute. One of the programs you talked about, attending care. Yes, this is a big problem in the oh, country right now. It's huge. It's huge, Joyce. And it's and I know you know so with your long advocacy history and your your involvement with so many other organizations not only in our community but around the United States that the the, the primary reason why people end up getting institutionalized or getting disconnected from community is because they don't have the attendant support in their homes or available to them in their own communities. Uh, when attendant services are available, people can stay in their own homes, people can stay in their own communities, people can you know work, people can do all kinds of things to make their community better. But attendant care or attendant support is the key service to keep people independent in their own community and in their own home. It's a large program for us. We support, Joyce, here, right here in Pittsburgh. As you know, we support over 800 people with disabilities in Allegheny County to stay in their own homes, to stay in their own communities, and to stay active. And, and without attending care, those same people, Joyce, would be in an institution, in a nursing home, in an intermediate care facility, or a long-term uh, care facility. Oh, I know. I know. Being from the employment side, this is what prevents people from being able to go to work. Absolutely. And, you know, it is a problem in this country because there aren't enough people doing this, and at the same time, I know that there is such nervousness about funding being cut for this. Yes. Well, there there is, and one of the things that, you know, I mean, one of the things that, that frightens me, uh, Joyce, is that not just attendant care funding not being available, but I think, um, you know, right now in our country, we're at a very, very powerful crossroads. Um, and, and, you know, uh, when you think about public policy issues and you look at, you know, the war that's raging, that we're spending billions of dollars on daily, and, you know, we've got New Orleans uh, to be rebuilt, and uh, we've got these other, you know, kinds of diversions that are going to get in the way of, of everyday life uh, kind of needs for vulnerable people, whether they be vulnerable because of a disability or because of aging issues. 
and it really takes us right to the heart of policy matters. And uh, uh, you know, I you know, obviously, I know that your show is an apolitical show that really is not you know uh, here to debate policies. That, but but you know, that's a part of the the discussion. And I think the listeners uh, on your show today have got to really look and say what's important in our society and what do we need to invest in. And where is funding being going? You know, being being uh, uh, focused on that 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 mitigates some of those things in our society today. Yes, and I'll say in closing on that comment: if you aren't educated, what you have, you may lose. All right, we're going to go to break right now, and we'll be back to finish the show with Al Condalusi, CEO of United Cerebral Palsy champion for all people with disabilities. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop, voiceamerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S. and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race star. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Welcome back, and I want to tell you what. Be advised, 
Al Condalusi will be back on the show later this year because I'm telling you what, he's so interesting and exciting to talk to, I can't even get through the questions I wanted to ask him. <laughs> so, Al, we're going to force you to come back on later this year uh, because you, you have so much to offer and so much to say, but I, I want to make sure that, that we do talk about some of the issues that are most important to you. Yes. Um, you were talking about, you know, attending care, um, and I agree with you. This is such a serious time. We all we all need to be more educated in this area. Um, but I wanted to ask you a question from a listener before I ask sure. some of my uh, last questions. Yes. Uh, and again, this question came from Virginia, um, and it says, you know, first of all, Dr. Condalusi. I feel it is an honor to be able to ask you a question, any type of question. I first thank you for everything you're doing to help my family and the families of other people who have children with disabilities. I want to ask you one question, and that is, why does it seem that people with disabilities really aren't important when it comes to media coverage? I frequently do not hear anyone talking about unemployment, nor do I hear people talking about housing issues or transportation on the news or in the news media. And as a matter of fact, when the ADA celebration comes forth, I never see that in the paper either. Why is that? Yeah, wow. That's such a um, that's such an intense question and, and, and such a powerful one. And all of us that are listening to this show um, uh, who have personal experiences with disabilities, and, and by the way, when you look at the numbers, uh, I know that the, the 2000 census has estimated that there are between 60 to 80 million Americans with some disabling reality, either in physically, cognitively, or emotionally, that has some impact on their life. Eighty, you know, if you even take the conservative side of that, uh, Joyce, that that you know, you do the math. There's what about 290 million Americans, and so if 60 million Americans have some disabling reality that affects their daily life connections, that's like every fifth or sixth person in our country. So we're talking about an awful lot of people, and yet, you know, the 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 the, the person who raised the question is saying, why? Why aren't our issues of any importance or any uh, any significance in either a national discussion or in the news media? And you know that's that. I think that that goes back, Joyce. If you if you look at the history of how people with disabilities have been have been treated or dealt with, uh, from you know you go back into any historical perspective, there are benchmarks. That have I think led way to this to the devaluation that that people have uh, today that has really led society to sort of put us under the radar screen. I mean, you can actually even trace back, Joyce, and I know you know this from the research you've done that. Uh, there has been perspectives of people with disabilities that somehow, some way, suggest that maybe there's a moral inferiority. If somebody has a disability, somehow, some way, God doesn't like them, or maybe they're not as important, or God is punishing them. And uh, that's a powerful perspective, but lots of people might believe that somehow, some way, there's a moral inferiority. There's another benchmark, if you go back in history, that really shows that people with disabilities are sometimes perceived as being less productive. And back at the time of the Renaissance when productivity was tied to value, which is still, by the way, with us today, uh, 
you take those two benchmarks, moral inferiority or production inferiority, now you get a sense that people with disabilities are really, really devalued spiritually and actually economically. So the the caller who who raises the question about why aren't there more attention paid to people with disabilities in the media, I think it's just because of this very powerful and deep-rooted devaluation that society just doesn't see much value to people who have disabilities. And to that end, uh, people are oftentimes then either ignored, disregarded, or disrespected, and not as important in the lens of society. And now, for those of us that have personal experience with disability, you know, I mean, when we're, we're with it every day, we see it every day, um, you know, we know that those realities, those benchmark realities that historically have unfolded, uh, we know that they're not accurate. However, you know, the man on the street, the gal on the street, you know, who has no personal experience with disabilities, um, just don't see the relevance to ADA or an ADA discussion or to uh, having something on the news or having something in the media. So it's a pretty powerful cultural issue that I think requires a macroscopic perspective on how do we begin to change that. And then I'll get right back to my my last point on this, and that is through social capital. Mm -hmm. The more people begin to develop relationships with people with and without disabilities, I think the sooner we'll see those things being more important. Well, I agree with you so much. Well, Al, you know what? You've written these books. You know, you're an accomplished speaker. You've won awards. You've done so many things. You're so well-known, really, in this country for all of your leadership in this area. My question I ask every guest on the show, what is your proudest accomplishment? Uh, well, that's... Wow! Yeah, such a such a you know I'm I'm I feel I'm so blessed in my life, Joyce. Um, uh, my but my proudest accomplishment has got to be you know uh, my family and how my work has really revolved around my family and and how I feel so centered. You know the stuff that I do um, you know in my work is just a part of my life, and so. Uh, it, it's so natural and so typical uh, for me. So uh, uh, I, I think my proudest accomplishment is how my career and life has intersected so 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 nicely, and how I've been able to just live my dream of trying to make this community a little bit better. My my last point on that, Joyce, and you have mentioned this a couple times, and I, you know, if any listeners uh, are so inclined, I'd love to invite them to take a look at our website. Um, on our website, they can find out more about not just the programs that we do and some of the things I've mentioned earlier from your questions, but also some stuff on our books and things we've written. Um, that website is www.ucppittsburgh, the word Pittsburgh spelled out. And for the listeners not from our area, you know that Pittsburgh is spelled with an H at the end. So that would be ucppittsburgh.org. Love to have you visit our website, learn more about the stuff we're doing as well. And if they, someone listening to the shows from the Pittsburgh area and needs to call, what is the phone number at UCP? Whether you're from Pittsburgh area or not, would love to have you call. The number is 412-683-7100. And uh, that gets you right into our, our agency. You can call me directly. My extension is 329. I'd love to talk to you. That's 412 683 7100, extension 329. 
And, uh, Al, another thing I ask all of my guests is if they have a message that they want to leave with our listeners. What is your yeah. message? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I think that the, um, uh, the, 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 the thing I would really like to leave people with is a sense of hope. And, and, and that sense of hope is that we can change this world if we choose to. But I think we've got to understand that that happens one relationship at a time. And so every person that you get to know or meet, you want to try to get them to open their hearts and open their minds and open their energies uh, to creating a more inclusive, more welcoming uh, community and culture. And I think if each of us just get one more person to come aboard, just think, every listener on this show today, Joyce, if each of us just took one more person and brought them into our life, brought them forward a bit, wow, what a change that alone would make happen. So I, I, my, my message is one of hope, that things can change and do change, uh, but it, it, it happens one person at a time. Well, you know, talking about one person at a time, I want to tell you, Al, this is Lee's 11th year of work. Mm-hmm. And you know he had that internship years uh, ago. That's and was right. connected, affiliated with your group. Yes. But what, what a great story. But, and also Jamie, what a great yeah. story. So Wonderful many people's people. lives, Al, you have impacted yeah. worldwide. Yeah. You have been listening today to Al Condalusi, who is really a champion of hope, as he said, for all people with disabilities. And at the end of every show, I always end with a quote from a famous civil rights leader or a champion. And our quote today is from Al Condalusi, who said, When people are pitied, as often happens in a charitable framework, they can never be fully respected. And isn't that what it's all about? You know I'm all about no pity, and his words are so true. Al, thank you for being our guest today. Joyce, the pleasure's mine. All right, and to all of you, remember what he said. One person at a time. One person at a time. You can make a difference. This is Joyce Bender. You've been listening to Disability Matters on VoiceAmerica.com with Al Condalusi, our guest. See you next week. Bye-bye. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.